0: Hey guys, this is Josh, and this is the Cyclical Podcast, where we talk about our hope and identity in Christ. If you've ever been discouraged as a Christian and felt guilty for it, then this episode is for you, because today we're going to talk about discouragement and how we handle it as Christians. So, recently my wife received a surprise baby shower at work. When she brought home everything that they had given her, um, her and I went through the you know various generous gifts together. And um, I saw just how our amazing God had provided for us without us even asking for it. And as I was going through the gifts and looking at all of the uh, baby clothes and just all those sort of things, I noticed that there was a small book entitled Guess How Much I Love You. In this moment, I felt God reach out and tell me just how much he loved me, just because, just because he wanted to. And I didn't know much about this book, but I read it and it humbled me. In in this book, there's two rabbits, um, a father and a son. And the son is trying to impress his father by showing him how much he loves him. He uses various ways to demonstrate this by how wide his arms are how high he can reach or how high he can jump or how far he can stretch his legs up against the tree. And the father humors his son by listening to him in the various ways that his son says he loves him, and as the son demonstrates his love in a specific way, the father surpasses him and says, well, I love you this much, and the father's way of saying that he loves his son far exceeds his son's ability to say that he loves his father. Near the end of the book, when it's time to go to sleep, the father lies down next to his son, and the son says, as the moon comes out, that he loves him all the way to the moon. And the father's, once again, humoring his son, and he says, oh, that's far. That's very, very far. And then as his son is about to go to sleep, the father whispers in his ear, saying, I love you right up to the moon and back. In this moment, I could feel God tugging at my heart and telling me how much He loves me and that no amount of my trying or efforts could come anywhere close to His great love for me and that I could never love Him as much as He loves me because He gave Himself for me on the cross. He's been reminding me of the hope I have in Him and that If he would provide us with such a small reminder just to let us know that, you know, and remind us to let us know that he loves us that much, how much more would he provide for us in the big moments of life? And it's funny because I think that God used a children's book to talk to one of his children, and yet this book I will use to speak to my son, who is due in August, to let him know how much I love him when he's old enough to understand. And it just kind of reminded me that my son, whom I have not yet met, will never be able to do anything that will make me love him less. And I believe that's God, that that God has also reminded me that there's nothing that I can do that will make him love me less, and that my identity in him is secure and firm. And that brings me to a question I have for my listeners is, do you know that God loves you this much as well that he gave his son, his only son, for you. He saw you and looked at the cross and said, you are worth it, and then laid down his life for yours. Many people who become Christians struggle with their identity still. They live the first part of the gospel knowing that Jesus died for their sins and after taking hold of this promise started following him, and then yet they still don't know that they are in fact a new creation that God does live in them now. And the reason that they don't know this is because they don't feel like a new creation. We get trapped in our feelings. Condemnation from our enemy, the devil, is still ever-present in our lives. And even though God may have chosen to forget our sins, the devil sure hasn't, and he is constantly reminding us. And the devil has tricked many of us into thinking that We are who we feel we are instead of who God says we are. And what we feel in our soul is not necessarily what is true in our spirit. We are made up of many different parts, not just physically, but also spiritually. Our outermost part is our body, obviously. Everything that we see, feel, and all of the senses that we possess, internally we're made up of the soul, and the soul is made up of emotions and our will. Our mind, and yet deeper still is our spirit, the core of who we are, our deepest identity. That is what has been renewed by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. If we have accepted Christ as our Savior, we were born with a dead spirit. And if you are in Christ, that is, if you have accepted Him as your Savior, He has taken up residence in you by putting His Spirit in you. You are in union with Him, and you are one in your spirit with Him. There is a quiet stillness in union with Christ. In our souls, however, we contend with our wills and our minds and our emotions still. And our emotions can lie to us and tell us things that aren't true about a situation or set of circumstances that we find ourselves in. And this is one way a Christian who has everlasting hope in Christ can feel hopeless in a moment or circumstance or situation. You could compare your makeup as a person to a hurricane. In the eye of the hurricane, there is peace and quiet, while everything around it is raging, much like the soul. That is the difference between soul and spirit. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow it is able to judge the thoughts and attentions of the heart. What this Bible verse tells us is that we can discern between our emotions, our will, our mind, and our soul, and our spirit. This helps us understand what is of God and what is of our sinful, fleshly nature that rears its head from time to time. This is important because without knowing this, we would seem to think that our emotions or what we think about a certain situation is what is reality or who we really are. That's why it's so important to know who we are in Christ so that when these feelings present themselves to us in our minds where the spiritual battle rages on, we can combat that with what we know is the truth in the Bible because the Bible says that you will know the truth not feel the truth. This is a great statement of freedom for the Christian because now he knows that no matter how he feels about a certain situation he can rely on the unchanging truth of God's word instead of our ever-changing uncha- ever thoughts and emotions. and We can remember that God's promises about who we are and our hope in Jesus instead of relying on circumstances to change so that we can feel better. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah is depressed. He goes to a cave to seek refuge and then God speaks to him asking him what he's doing there. And Elijah explains to God in so many words that he's scared and depressed. And, and, the, and God tells him to come out of the cave. And when he does so, God puts on this incredible, spectacular show of his power and strength uh, through earthquakes and winds and fire. And the Bible says that he was in none of those. Then a gentle whisper, and he asked Elijah again, What are you doing here? A lot of times we can treat our emotions like the, the wind and the fire and earthquakes in First Kings 19. God expects you to have emotions, and they're not wrong to have emotions. He, can, you know, he gave them to you. He did not intend for you to be ruled by them, though. I think many instances of, in my own life where my emotions were raw, but I had this gentle whisper of, of God who gave me peace beyond all understanding. Then it reminds me of Isaiah thirty twenty one, where it says, And wherever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear this command behind you. This is the way, walk in it. Jesus says in Matthew six, In this world that we would have trouble, but to take heart because he has overcome the world. Now I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be ruled by something that Jesus has already overcome. And while whether you follow Jesus or not, you can't deny that In this world, you will have trouble. The only difference is where you put your hope. If you're not in Christ or you don't believe, uh, you may put your hope in a lot of different things, but ultimately they'll all fail because they are part of a broken world. The hope for the Christian is not hope in things or a situation, circumstances, or anything else. Hope isn't a feeling. Hope for the Christian is a person, and his name is Jesus. And I'm happy to know that my hope is in the one has overcome the world, and that every trouble that I could ever experience in this life does not change the truth of God's Word. When you pair this with the knowledge of knowing the difference between soul and spirit and how God's Word impacts that understanding, you'll start to notice a difference in your perspective. You'll still feel those emotions, but you'll also remember that God is in control and that it really is possible to have peace in the midst of trouble. Philippians 4, 8-9 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And don't forget to leave a rating. And as always, thank you for listening. I know there's 100,000 podcasts out there, and you chose to listen to this one. So thank you for that. For more information about our identity and hope in Christ, and to see specific Bible verses pointing to these truths, please see the show notes. Thank you.